What is up, everyone? This is Sarah G, and we are on a whole new episode of Gen Z Gab. Let's get into it. So this week's Monday Mood, as I've talked about in the past with kind of rare diseases, illnesses, and different types of parents advocating for their kids, I am going to do someone a little different, but also still near and dear to a lot of people's hearts, especially mine. She helped me learn so much. Even when I was in college doing Dance Marathon, which is to help raise cancer funds for kids at the University of Iowa, we danced for 24 hours, pretty much nonstop. And why I'm speaking about Hey Eliza, who you may have heard, Eliza Moore, because her both her and her parents have been on social media. And you know her story, most likely. And the reason I'm talking about her, besides the fact that she was just the sweet innocent, beautiful little girl. She was also sassy and a force to be reckoned with, like many of these kids. Also, again, for childhood illness, rare disease funding, cancer is only like 4%. 4%. So it needs to change. And in honor of Eliza, because her birthday, her fourth birthday, was, yes, Wednesday, August 10th. So if you don't follow them already, please go and follow them as well as other creators like Fighting for Baby Tessa, Holden, Team Jocelyn, and so much more. And just keep in mind next month is Pediatric Cancer Awareness Month. So if you know somebody who's in some sort of organization like Dance Marathon, please consider donating to them. Aside from that, because I'm going to be talking about some issue that I like to tell people where they can get help. I am not sponsored by anyone, but I do want to specify again, because I'm going to be talking about some of Jeanette McCurdy and Child Star stuff, given that Jeanette McCurdy just released her book, I'm Glad My Mom Died, and it was so powerful. So I'm going to mention someone I think I've mentioned in the past. Bunny Barbie is her handle. She also owns a clothing line called Bunzy with her, I think, uh, assistants, but also best friend, Sam. And she and they, they do a lot of great jobs together. And just their friendship is so fun to watch. Aside from that, Bunny is actually a pilot and she works with organizations for Women are people of birthing age to help with certain situations, say a vacation or a business trip to help if you need it. So I just wanted to let people know that again and that the Midwest is a very safe haven for that. But please know to check out some of those organizations. And aside from that, Bunzi is a very inclusive, diverse uh, brand, I've noticed, and I really appreciate that. So just wanted to give a shout out there and explain why I'm kind of doing that, doing both kind of Monday moods, because, you know, I need to remind myself with how much shit that goes on in the world, even there's good, 
even when it doesn't always seem that way. And the fact that, again, I listened, read the audiobook of I'm Glad My Mom Died, which gets into the shithole that is not just Jeanette McCurdy's life, but a lot of people who were on Nickelodeon with this specific creator. And I, like many others, were stupid to realize how weird it was. Like, Parts of it seemed weird, but parts of it seemed like they were just trying to cover up, like I said in the past, you know, adult humor. So, yeah, a lot of the things that they did would not cut it these days. A lot of the things that they, as a company, Nickelodeon, who obviously did the whole Schneiderman bakery, horrible. And I can't believe, and I'm kind of glad my mom never sent the letters that I tried to get to be on some of those things. Yeah. Even though I'm still dreaming of being an actor someday, I don't have to go through what they had to go through. And that's interesting and good. I mean, there's so much shit that goes on in the industry in itself. The fact it matters, it's true. I believe every word of Jeanette's memoir when she said that it really shouldn't be or there needs to be more protective laws for kids, not just the Coogan Fund, because the Coogan Fund constantly gets mistreated, mismanaged, misused. And it's so interesting to even hear how it all started and how her mom just is so complicated to even listen. And I get what it's like to know of a narcissist or be around one. I think a lot of people do, especially with our society. And if you're related to one, it's especially hard to break away from them or not love them because of the cyclist power they have over you. It goes all around and why you you think they're not controlling you, but they are. And even if you speak up against them, then a horrible power play manipulation happens. Like Jeanette mentions in one of the chapters, which again, I'm going to go into it a little bit, but if you listens to Celebrity Memoir Book Club, as well as a variety of other podcasts that deal with pop culture. They'll probably get into the extra nitty gritty parts. I don't want to give away too much if you also haven't had a chance to read it, given the fact that it has sold out on Amazon already. And that is huge. The fact that it's sold out in Amazon and a lot of other places. But uh, given that there has been so many interviews that have been released, if you don't want to, I just want to put a trigger warning that this has a lot of spoilers in it but I'm hoping to not go as in a deep dive as some others that being said so her mom since a very early age was very codependent of her and I think about my own close relationship with my mother but that level is still very different like I think in some ways people could make fun of how close me and my mom some people would or just like in general but I'd say we're healthy we do things separately we talk we open communications but it's nothing like she does not micromanage my every move I sometimes jokingly say she micromanages me when I need her to look at stuff when it before I put stuff out for a job etc but she definitely does try to help me in the best way possible but she also has friends her own age which you need to consider that Jeanette talks about how her mom didn't even have friends her own age and the reason that she always said you're my best friend was you know the manipulation tactic and the fact that her mom had stage four breast cancer 
when she was two and even goes back to watch the videos because she needs everyone to feel those feelings all over again and that her one brother has his head on right and Jeanette was two so Jeanette's acting like a normal two-year-old singing and it was right after Christmas jingle bells like what the actual fuck her mom goes out of her way to say and there you were doing your own little shitty thing not to mention that her grandparents lived with her because throughout what her mom's treatment was going on but then you know they didn't have much more to do after she was in remission and it just goes into a lot of those kind of stories where you kind of know from the beginning this is not this is clearly a very healing journey a very healing time for Jeanette it's therapeutic whatever you may have which again obviously she wrote it after she's done some therapy which again if anybody relates to this book fortunately unfortunately I don't know it's probably because either you've been in therapy either you've had religious trauma or you've had abuse from a narcissist or all the above unfortunately again unfortunately fortunately because it's one of those catch-22 like I always talk about and not to sound redundant reiterate all those things, but it's so important that we emphasize this because this is one of the best books, memoirs that I've read. And I really love the audiobook, especially if you're someone like me who has dyslexia or ADHD. It can really help you because then you can really picture when you hear a voice, you can, it just, it helps really tell the story and for me at least, feel exactly what's going on, which may be good or bad. But again, it was just so powerful to actually see what she was. She was so similar, but so different from her character on iCarly. As she stated multiple times that, you know, Sam Puckett was this girl who loved fried chicken, had a shitty relationship with her mom, And she didn't know where her dad was. I mean, she didn't know where her dad was. She did know where her dad was. That's not a big difference. And you'll find out more, even though it's still dysfunctional. It was still a better relationship than the one with her mom. I don't know too much more than that. But I will say her relationship with her mom was effed up obviously it took her a long time to realize that but you know it was kind of funny on and it was Jane Lynch which again Jane Lynch is amazing actress phenomenal but that's not the point of this whole argument I'm making about it it's just that Sam's life kind of mirrored Jeanette's and a lot of people have raised the question of did Dan Schneider do this on purpose I could see now why. And yes, I still love iCarly. And I know, again, I always say this, but I feel so bad for liking it, especially now that I have read her, I'm glad my mom died, because it was just so traumatic. I mean, she had weigh-ins. She had, and it was all run by mostly her mom, but she had weigh-ins. She had measurements. She got OCD from a lot of this. And I mean, OCD is kind of a inherited environmental, obviously. It's 
it's more complex than just she got it from this. And considering her mom had her own ED and mental health problems, it makes sense. Like, I got passed out. But I just needed to emphasize that part again because given that um, all those little rituals she was learning to do manifested into other mental health problems. And that's how EDs stem from. And EDs are more likely if you've suffered from narcissistic abuse. And just know, again, that not every ED fits all. You can be an overweight anorexic, and you could be an underweight binger. Like, again, it's no—not everyone is the same. Bulimia, she talks about being the best of both worlds, but not actually. So there's a lot of— nitty-gritty, very raw, emotional moments that she gets into that I will not overly stress yet because I know not everyone has read it, which we already know that Reddit, Reddit is going, the app is going nuts over this and exposing everything because the little robot machines just do. But I've been thinking way more about how, you know, Miranda could pull off these two very different characters. And just hearing how much more freedom she had and how she stood up more. And that's why it's not, she still has probably a lot of trauma, but Miranda got away with more than Jeanette did, but that's because Jeanette's mom was mommy dearest. And you know exactly what I mean by Joan Crawford. It's just so mind-boggling. Like, again, you hear of stage moms. You hear of the toddlers and tiaras. You hear of the Disney Channel and Nick moms, obviously. But... The funny thing is, is that Jeanette's mom kind of slipped through the cracks. She knew how to play the game. But I think the most insane thing, aside from her mom giving her an eating disorder and being proud of her for fitting into a child booster seat, even though she was 14, and she weighed like 59 to 61 pounds because she didn't want to grow. All these things she did to appease her mom, I don't, I can't even fathom it. It's just so ridiculous what exactly just happened there because who and the fact that she said her mom was only four foot 11 and Jeanette's only five two, which I get. But part of me wonders again, you know, because she was so rigid with her eating disorder starting at 11, you know, she wanted to be smaller to get more of these roles because they needed it. The family needed her. She was the youngest of four kids. Think about how much pressure, not only that, but just it's all up to you. May I remind you, or maybe you haven't even heard, she had a brother that was also signed with the same agent. And by the way, that agent wasn't actually going to sign Jeanette until her mom started bawling and explaining why you just have to have her. So then they Recommended a, they recommended a 
acting teacher for her to go to. But here's the kicker. Her mom, this is how micromanagement and shady, sketchy, shitty mother that Jeanette's mom, Deborah, was. She had to sit in on her class. Even though adults weren't allowed to, she had to sit in on the acting class. And it wasn't anything for protection. It was not like to protect her from predators or anything. It was to make sure that she did what she wanted her to do, not what the teacher wanted her to do. And it was just so frustrating. Even when the teacher kept telling her mom, you cannot be in here. And then her mom kept making excuse after excuse and even pulled the cancer card, which I mean, obviously she had cancer, but that is so, oh my fucking God, what, what, what goes through this woman's mind? Nobody can know. And I think that that shows again, where it was one of like the turning points for Jeanette early on of why she noticed it was kind of off. Also the dance classes, her mom made her do what she liked dance actually better. But she kept saying how even in that class, she had to think of, you know, makeup stories for trauma, etc. And how a lot of that came down to her mom. And then it didn't take her to therapy to realize that her mom was her abuser. That her mom abused her. Okay, so that's fun. And it's just so eye-opening, I think, when you realize with our society too, because uh, when she got a call from Miranda, not just the producers, etc., for the Paramount Plus Revival iCarly. She kept saying, no, I can't do it no matter how many much money you offer, even if it's identical. It is not good for my mental health to go back there. I don't care if Dan's not a part of it. I don't care if it's not on Nickelodeon. I don't care if I finally get paid the same because she was screwed over time and time again, especially on Sam and Cat. She was originally just told it would be just Pocket, her her spinoff would be Sam as a guidance counselor for troubled youth. That would be fun. I actually would have loved that. And the same thing happened to Noah Monk, except for not quite the same creepiness. But you got to admit that Noah did not get a great amount of justice in the end. Like, he does not care quite as much, I think. But you got to admit, Noah's tree pretty shitty. I mean, Gibby, we kind of thought was funny and odd with his shirt off, but but then they kept making him kind of weirder, and they kind of had this thing about just making him this fat uh, kid that was just, uh, so no, and I kind of could see why, and I love that the cast respects their wishes of not going there and not doing that, given that they understand there's a lot of trauma to unpack, but it just doesn't feel the same. But that way, it doesn't feel like a same reboot. I, again, feel it more relatable. It feels more right. I don't know. It feels less cheesy, if it makes sense, than some of those other reboots. Yes, we would love to see Sam, but at least they gave kind of some closure on where Sam is. And I think that that was good that she learned in therapy, even though it took a while, to remain firm with their boundaries. Because we as a society, and like I said last week with family, friends, life, we don't hold our boundaries strong enough. And I think that's good. And I think she will do well in life now that she's fully healed. 
Will there be hard days still? Yes, as she specified multiple times. But you've got to keep going. And I really like that. I listened to her podcast, Empty Inside, and I loved all the things she talked about. She is a great writer, producer, singer, actor. She can do it all. And I think that it's good that she learned at a young age that she really wanted the behind the scenes more. It sucks that she didn't get it till now, but I think she could be a very, well, and I know she is a very talented, but if she decides to step back into that, she will be so, she will be so great as a director, making sure that there's intimacy coordinators and making sure that everyone feels good. If there's child actors, she will make sure to check in with them. So I know she'll do great. And that's kind of my thing with her. I just remember hearing her say, like, this book kind of helped also heal a little bit of my inner child. Because if you think about it, she stepped on set when she was six years old. She got her first agent signed as a background worker. And she loved kind of all that stuff that goes on in background work. And the fact of the matter is she had great expressions. The only problem is all that expressionism came from her mother, her life at home, the dysfunctionality. And people think that that's great to unpack a lot of time in acting. But they're not therapists that know how to pack it in. Like 99% of the time, I hear from some very great casting director that was on TikTok that I've mentioned before that also does acting workshops, etc. But she states she is not a therapist. She cannot do that work. She can make us say what we want to say and relive that trauma over and over again, but she can't figure out a way for us to healthily put it back in because she is not a therapist. And I think that that shows, again, the abusion of power So you can see why Jeanette, like starting at six and doing all that rigorous training and doing all those things up until her 20s, why she did go a little crazy, why she did un like unknowingly do a lot of dangerous stuff after her mom died because she never got a chance to explore who she was. She was very closed off till about 18. And before anyone goes, well, aren't she, everyone's pretty much a late bloomer? Yeah. And I shouldn't say pretty much a late bloomer, but some people are and some people aren't. But I feel like her late blooming was way different than a lot of other people's late blooming. Like, I think she was really way more tethered than I could have possibly imagined. And I think one of the things that really stands out to me about it all is that she is very um, candid about everything that went on, not just on iCarly, but that, you know, she had her little first crush on Frankie Muniz and her mom said something, again, rude, like, even though she was just being nice and he was just being nice. Like she wasn't expecting him to fall in love with her at that moment, but you should just really like, think about it. If you're a mom to a daughter, again, I'm just emphasizing all over again, why you really need to choose your words carefully on what you say to your child, not just female, but just again, 
what you say to your daughter, especially, even if you think that you're helping and you think it's an extension of you. So, you know, exactly that's it's wrong. And I just got so frustrated. The more time went on with her, like, cause I could tell the red flags with her mom. And I feel so bad because that's the, the circle, the never ending cycle with a narcissist, because she knew that she believed her mom because her mom said, I am your best friend. I am this. I, you are going to be nothing without me. And that other people had it worse. And the thing is, her mom also was a hoarder that made them sleep on cots. And her mom would always complain about their living situation, even though she got it from her in-laws. And her mom wasn't always faithful. And that's all I'm going to say because... Again, a major spoiler, which, again, people might have heard, but it just goes to show, again, her mom put her on a saintly pedestal, herself on a saintly pedestal, that it was everyone else's problem. Her mom screamed at her when she spilled milk on the floor, even and though, like, she was trying to clean it up as fast as she could. Her grandpa called her mom. Her grandpa, who was her mom's dad, kept saying how you don't realize that you need help, Deb. You need help. She kept always saying, you need help. And she kept saying how that started to stick in her head more as she went on to therapy, Jeanette. And she only did Sam and Kat to help her mom's, like, dying wish. Same when she kept trying to sing Bette Midler's song. And that's just, again, how much that we go to try to prove ourselves to loved ones. And I think about that because, again, another memory that from that book that she had is the day her dad actually brought her to dance class, acting class. But he never made it back, like, in time for her to go to acting class. But he let her be a kid for once, which is what her grandpa kept saying. Let her be a kid. Does she really want to do this? And I think that that's, again, a powerful message to see that she had at least two people, but they were too scared to really go head to head with her mother on these consistent issues that constantly came back up. And I know people are going to be like, that just sounds, again, like another stage mom. Well, her mom was the stage mom of all stage moms besides Joan Crawford. We've all talked about that. Like, we as a society, we have talked about, again, Alexis Nichols, Britney Spears, Amanda Bynes. There are so many others, but you can tell the list of all those celebs that go crazy. It was because, again, money-hungry family. Or just a creepy-ass producer. And nobody was there to protect these kids. Because either they were too scared to protect them or that whenever they try, they get cussed out by a different person. And that's just not fair, as you can see. I mean, we all, she even mentions dance moms that her and even Miranda Cosgrove, both of them loved that show until they realized how much it was similar to some of the stuff that they had to go through. 
And I think the older you get, the more you realize how screwed fucking up everything is. And again, Amanda Seyfried even talked about how she wished she had a intimacy coordinator when she was 19 because she was so scared to say no to a scene that she didn't feel comfortable with. And now people wonder, like, why there's so much emphasis on this. It's because of all that and because of idiots like Andrew Tate. Fucking asshole. He just is the biggest, grossest misogynist. And I can't believe I have to say that because... I've said that about a lot of other people, but it's just another adding to the list of someone that needs to get the fuck off of our bodies, ban off our bods, get the fuck of just my life. You literally left England to go to Romania because you didn't want to get charged with battery or assault, etc. And I don't see how, you know you're allowed to still have a platform because that's how effed up tiktok is as well and i know i'm getting off topic but it's it's true like those are the people that were running those kids shows those type of people so yeah if jeanette's listening to this i applaud you for everything that you've done she even turned down a three hundred thousand dollar silence money for how she was treated three hundred thousand and it would have actually made a difference still for her but she stood her grounds because she kept saying i had issues and it wasn't with ariana like all her fans say her huge big mega fan and i think that that's good she's not saying that she inherently hated her or ever really hated her she hated the way that she was being treated by specific production members and then they try to give her hush money. And she just was like, I'm not going to do this anymore. Especially with the fact that, again, Sam and Cat was never supposed to be Sam and Cat. It was supposed to be just Puckett. And then it was also supposed to be a time for Jeanette to learn how to direct. And I think what people don't get is that she had to fight all the time for these writes and stand up for herself and it still didn't work and when we talk about actors standing up for ourselves that's not anything new but people are more following through and then when they stand their ground but it's again because of all the people that came before her and she talks about how again she wishes she could just have been a kid which goes into that memory i've been hinting at the whole day of her dad biking her to dance class she was 10 minutes late but she got to go through a long way and she got to go to a park and be on the monkey bars she got to do them for a few times in a row she got to have fun with her dad she might have been 10 minutes late to class but it was not the end of the world because she's managed to do everything that she needed to do at the end of class her dad had a cliff bar a cliff bar from the front and this is like the sad part again not that the whole book didn't have its own sad parts but the sad part about it is that she was like to her dad you can't have that I know exactly how much it costs and mom says that we can't afford that and it was a dollar which cliff bars don't cost that anymore and then he kind of go alluded it was alluded to in the book that she could get a bar, but then she was like, then that's $2 that we don't have. 
And then anyway, they get on their bikes, they start biking home, but then they stop at a smoothie shop because dad had a coupon and he wanted to treat her and split one. And he's like, let's go get a smoothie, like some quality one-on-one time. By the way, her mom says throughout the book that he never tries. And maybe that's true, but again, she said in moments like these, he clearly did. And he... You know, takes her out for a smoothie, and she kind of knows when her class is supposed to start. He knows, kind of. And we say kind of because it's one of those they both mutually are understanding that it's not going to be the end end of the world. It still freaks her out, gives her anxiety that she doesn't return back in time, or she won't return back in time. But he could care less as she goes. He just wanted, you know, me to have a good day. Like, he asked her, did you like the biking? Did you like the park? And she said, yes. It was one of the days where she got to be a kid. Because on her, you know, after they had split the smoothie, they biked home, but not before stopping on the monkey bars again. And then later on, her grandpa and her are outside. This is like three years later, fast forward, where she was probably like nine or ten that first time, and now she's like 13, And she's talking about things, memorizing lines, and he goes, do you really want to do that? Her grandpa. And she's like, I don't mind what I'm doing, but she's, like, talking through. He goes and gives her a big hug. He tells her she should be doing what kids are doing. He's watering stuff. He gets her wet, but he, with the hose, because he thinks that she should be a kid, like, running around in the sprinkler or something. And he was going to give her this. This is an actually really sweet moment, I like to say, because she loves Disneyland, and he was working there at the time. He gave her a Mike Wazowski keychain thing, I think. And when I say I think, because she talks about also a bobblehead thing, so I can't remember, but I'm 90% sure the keychain And the reason that I say 90% sure and why I'm, like, not trying to give full details is because, again, I did listen. I read this book, but I don't want to give away too much. But the Mike Wazowski thing, it's so relevant to it because it explains why she loves Disney so much, why she gets unlimited passes, and why she goes to Disneyland so much. She worked there. And it kind of gave her, like, meaning to be a kid after this gift, And I think those are, aside from all the terrible takeaways from that book and all that hurt that she's learned to recover from, I see, even though, you know, it's really sad that those are like two of the shining moments of her childhood, as little as they are, even the small things matter a lot. So to conclude, I hope you read this book. Be sure to follow my Patreon page as well as my Insta and YouTube. We will be back next week. Gab on. Hit like, comment, subscribe. See you soon.